Hello and welcome to this, the fifth episode of the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson and I'm recording this at home on the evening of Thursday the 29th of September. This week I spoke to Stephen Greger, who's the editor, publisher and creative director of Gym Class magazine. I met up with him yesterday morning over on the terrace at Somerset House overlooking the Thames, which turned out to be a bit of a mistake. Um... Anyone who's listened to this podcast over the last few weeks will have essentially been listening to me learning how to podcast. And of course, we learn by making mistakes. So this week's mistake is completely underestimating the havoc that wind plays on a microphone. And basically, after speaking to Rob Orchard from Delayed Gratification last week, which was in a a recording studio, you should go back and listen to it if you've not heard it already, um, I kind of felt like I missed a bit of the atmospheric sound that comes from being out and about and in a place. So this week we went up to the terrace because the stack office is at Somerset House and so I wanted to give a bit of the sound of that place. Um, but yeah, it was really windy and I didn't have one of those special foam things that you put on your microphone. I now have one, so uh, hopefully we will never have that wind problem again in the future. There are also some workmen nearby smashing some things a bit so you get to listen to that too hopefully none of this will spoil your enjoyment of listening to Stephen too much because he's got loads of really interesting stuff to say about this latest issue of gym class magazine and this is actually the last issue of gym class and he goes into a lot of detail about why he's decided to stop making the magazine what he thinks about the independent magazine scene as a whole. And he shares some very rough plans for a new type of hybrid independent mainstream magazine that should be coming uh, for next summer. Aside from anything else, he's also just a really nice bloke and it was a great pleasure to spend time chatting with him yesterday. Um, I really hope that you enjoy it too. I've loved seeing gym class evolve over the years and I really appreciate Stephen speaking so openly about the experience of making it and what he's learned. Oh, and just one more thing. As you can probably tell from the beginning of the interview, I'd had several goes at recording the start of this. So Stephen is actually helping me with the word autumn uh, when we begin. Um, Otherwise, that would just be confusing. Anyway, here is the interview. I hope you enjoy. All right, so I'm sitting here on the terrace of Somerset House on early autumn. It's a lovely early autumn crisp day with uh, Stephen Gregor, the editor, uh, publisher, and creative director of Gym Class magazine. Yep. Stephen, we met up last night at Printout and you put this uh, latest issue in my hands. Uh, Thank you for taking it. Oh, man, come on. This is um, it's a very special issue for several reasons, which we'll get into um, shortly. But mm. I was really excited to get hold of this because at the beginning you say uh, this is your best one so far, and yeah. I think you're totally right. Like the it, it feels like this has really crystallised into something that you've maybe been working towards for a while. Yeah, yeah. I I, I knew in the back of my mind that it was going to be the last one and I pretty much knew it before before I even started the issue and before I 
thought to tell anyone because um, this is the last one. You're not this doing is, anymore. The, the, well, no, this is this is the last the last hurrah. Um, so yeah, I I really wanted this one to be something that I felt proud of, and I do feel proud of it. Is it perfect? No. Is any magazine perfect? No. But with the resources and the time, um, I, I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah. And and so the, I mean, I'm sure that lots of people listening to this will know exactly what gym class is all about. But for those people who don't, um, this is the magazine about magazines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't always that. No, no, no. Gym class started as a, uh, well, it was basically a very small zine, just digitally printed. Uh, and it wasn't about magazines at all. It was basically an anti-men's magazine. Not anti-men's magazine, but it was it was trying to offer something different to a, a it was trying to be a different kind of men's magazine. Um because there's a strap line back in those days was for the guy chosen last or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was gym class for the guy chosen last, which which helps make the title gym class make sense. Um, <laughs> as a magazine about magazines, the title gym class is a bit... Well, it makes no sense at all. And in fact, as a tangent, it's sitting on a shelf in Soho now next to weightlifting magazines. I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> not very handy for selling it. It's though. not very handy for selling it. They've only got a couple of copies. It's fine. It's a it's a nice little story to tell. But yeah, no, it didn't start as a magazine about magazines, but it's a passion of mine, and over time, it became about that. So, so because Gym Class was effectively a magazine about the stuff that you were interested in, yeah, and magazines and editorial design and, mm-hmm. and that that's I guess one of your main preoccupations and so the yeah. magazine just naturally evolved in that direction yeah basically I only ever wanted to put stuff in in it that I was interested in and over time I became quite obsessed with magazines so that's that's what it became about yeah so it was only ever about stuff I was into and magazines took over yeah because you also work in magazines aside from gym class yeah yeah I've uh, I've worked as a designer and art director for quite a while now and I've worked in um, customer mags and in newsstand mags and newspapers and in-house at membership mags um, so I've sort of done I've ticked pretty much all the boxes um, yeah yeah so the day job is as an art director yeah right okay and who, who are you art directing for at the moment uh, well I'm working pro- primarily at the Observer newspaper but also the Guardian and I've been there almost exclusively for a couple of years now mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. freelance and so I guess that might tie in with your big news for this one in terms of this being the last one. I mean, uh, you know, this gym class has always been something that you do on the side. Yes. Has that been inf- uh, a factor in you deciding to stop doing it now? Um, I don't really know what the answer to that is. The gym class has definitely been something that's done in evenings and weekends. And... I feel like uh, the day job has just sort of has enabled me to do that. So the last couple of years, Gym Class has been publishing regularly every, it's only twice a year, but regularly on schedule for the last two years, and it's been a priority. Um, and the day job has been something that I've enjoyed and it's been rewarding, but it's just something that ticks along. Um, I'm asking myself big questions about what. I want to do with the day job and what I want to do with my spare time. Um, yeah, so it's it's very it feels like a very natural time to wrap up gym class. Plus, 
if I'm completely honest, as, as proud as I am of uh, Gymcast as it is right now, I feel like it was probably at its most successful when it was A5, black and white, cost three quid, um, and was a lot less of a financial burden. Um, and that's something you talk about in your editor's letter in, in, in this issue. You've got a long editor's letter which goes into a lot of detail really about your reasons for stopping and your thoughts about the magazine market in general. And you talk about those those earlier days when it was £3 mm. and it was so much simpler. Yes. And I think the word you use in there is accessible. You, yeah. like you Because yeah. now the mag costs £10. Yeah, which in my mind is insane that a magazine I know that's the standard and I get it and I know how much it costs to print and buy the paper and 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 pay people to draw illustrations and take pictures and what have you but um, in my mind it's crazy that it's acceptable now that a magazine costs £10 I mean it's I would much prefer to go into a shop with £10 in my pocket and walk out with two £5 magazines than I would one £10 magazine so I feel like uh, as, as amazing and as, as lovely as it is that so many beautiful things are being made that, that are expensive to produce it's, it's, it's a barrier and it's an obstacle and I'm sort of grappling with that as I launch a magazine with a £10 cover price on so yeah, it's uh, the, the, state of the, the state of the indie market at the moment is one that is very confusing to me and it and and competitive I mean because I think because magazines are so expensive people don't have that much money to spend on magazines every month I mean that, that goes without saying so the fact that someone can go into a shop and they're probably only going to buy one or two magazines a month it's really competitive like every and um, particularly in the indie scene I think there's a lot of people who are they walk into the shop and they're completely open-minded about what magazine they're going to buy and it can be about anything um, so no magazine, a magazine about gardening isn't competing with magazines about other magazines about gardening. It's competing about magazines about any possible topic out there. So a store that you know maybe your sector has six magazines sitting on the shelf, but you're not competing with five other magazines. You're competing with 350 magazines that are in the store. So it's uh, it's it's. Uh, it's an interesting situation. And I guess the, the big central problem at the heart of all of this is that even with charging £10 for this magazine, you can't make it pay for itself. No, no. Like, uh, So basically there's a 1,000 copies printed. It costs £5,000 to make. That's contributors, printing and paper. A half the cover price will go to distribution, the stores and what have you. So if I sell every single copy, I will break even. I'm not going to sell every single copy. And in fact, the last issue through Comag sold about 42% of copies. And that apparently was a success. Um, so there's absolutely no way that gym class can, can, can break even. Um, so it goes back to saying it goes back to what I was saying. I mean, gym class should be three pounds, four pounds. Um, the production cost should be way lower. Um, I, I feel like we, as independent publishers, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to land fully formed and um, mature. And I think that's a real shame because I think 
the magazines that I'm most excited about are the ones that sort of are a bit scrappy when they start and they find their feet and they grow and as a as a loyal reader I grow along with them um, so yeah I, f- I feel like we put a lot of undue pressure on ourselves as independent publishers and the, I, I think that I mean I, I'm noticing a few magazines at the moment that are clearly made by people who are feeling the same thing as you so if I think of Real Review which is oh, yeah, yeah, printed yeah. on very cheap well I'm guessing it's very cheap paper it yeah. seems to be um, but incredibly high quality content and yeah. a, a lower um, uh, cover price or you look at Sofa which again is printed on the cheaper paper it's thinner yeah. so again it's it, it's a cheaper thing to buy it seems like maybe this is a bit of a, a moment a bit of a turning point I hope so I hope so because it will make it will make it easier for magazines to be sustainable and I don't think they are at the moment I mean if a magazine if a magazine gets published if two issues of a magazine get published and then it disappears sure it represents a moment in time but it hasn't been a successful venture in my mind I mean I want to I want to I want to feel connected to a magazine over years you know I don't want I don't want a one off or a two off thing you know, over the course of two years I want to I want this to be a relationship you know what I mean um, so if 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 the cover price, if thing, if these things are cheaper to make, and when I mean cheaper, I don't mean skimping on um, quality content. I mean the, the the frills that sort of maybe distract from. If if it's if yeah, I just think at the end of the day, things we make it so hard for ourselves, and we we're spending way too much money on things that really, at the end of the day, don't matter all that much. And I guess because, I mean, that in itself started as a response to something. So the mainstream magazine market started cutting the uh, weight of its paper, started cutting, um, I guess, the the size of editorial teams and things. And so then you saw independent magazine makers saying, well, this isn't how magazines should be made. We should be mm. producing big, thick, beautiful things that we lavish care and attention on. Yeah. And it almost feels like that now has become the the status quo yes. that people like you are starting to push against and say, well, we don't need to make a great, big, heavy, thick magazine that costs however much money to make. We yeah. could do this in a, a more efficient way. And, um, you know, postage is, is expensive as well. And... Um, you know, why spend? Why sh- should I, as a publisher, spend seven pounds to send something to the states when I can spend half that on, on a something that is on thinner paper, or what have you? What's really interesting to me is um, independent publishers, and I include myself in this, spend a lot of money on making something that is tactile and beautiful and what have you. But then, when people ask me what are my favourite magazines, and when I hear other publishers ask that question they usually say magazines like the New Yorker which is, the paper is so thin <laughs> it's it's stapled people will say the um, maybe the, the New York Times magazine again, that's mass produced super cheap paper um, so there is this sort of mixed messages going on that this is what a magazine should be but actually my favourite magazine is not that so it's 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 a bit 
it's a bit bizarre. And that also feels like it ties in with something, again, from your editor's letter. You can tell I've really digested your editor's letter. <laughs> in, in, uh, the editor's letter, in a lot of magazines, is the only thing that I read because that's where I feel like I'm really connecting Absolutely. with with the point of view Absolutely. of the, of the magazine. If you, I mean, you're, if you're getting somebody who has spent three or four months thinking about this thing they're making and then in that letter that's where they're going to crystallise all of that and put it in front of you then mm. yeah I, me yeah. too yeah. me too <laughs> um, no it's the, the bit where you quote Cathy from Anorak magazine about um, the number of people who say that they love independent mm-hmm. magazines but actually relatively few people go out and buy them yeah that sounds like the same thing you're talking about there where people will say oh yeah I, I absolutely love the big heavy thick expensive stuff actually my favourite one the one that I go out and buy yeah. is a New Yorker yeah or or sci-fi magazine or empire magazine or whatever it might be probably a, a whatever magazine that the content is that they connect with and it won't have anything to do with how thick the paper is that it's plus I got this whole thing where you know when I put a magazine down I actually want it to flop open there's something quite <laughs> this is going to sound terrible but it's something quite sensual about a magazine just sort of flopping open you know what I mean so many Kimbo. yeah so many so many magazines you have to fight to open them because the paper's so thick and the spine is so thick because they tend to be a smaller format so they have more pages and I'm fighting to keep these magazines open and I'm like why are you why, why are we creating these barriers to, to one, buy the thing, to, afford, to be able to afford to buy the thing, and then to be actually able to read the thing? Why are we doing this to ourselves? You know, Dan, Dan from A Museum said exactly the same thing in the first uh, Stack Podcast. He, said, he talked about the sensuousness of, the, of an open spread. Yeah, yeah. And how, like, uh, yeah, there's something kind of sexy about that. Yeah, and um, if I'm completely honest, I actually had hoped that um, this issue of Jing Plus would be a little bit more central. I wanted it to be a bit more floppy, but um, it, it, it's still a little bit too rigid, if I'm honest. It's not often that the words floppy and sensual get used to I know, I know, yeah. Okay, anyway, let's, let's move on from that. Yes. I want to talk about your cover because there's a really okay. interesting piece uh, in this issue uh, by Kevin Braddock. Yep. Uh, who uh, made well he, he worked on GQ and lots of the men's magazines but he also yes. made Manzine yes. and it sounds like you had spoken to him at an event at the Mag Culture um, shop yep. about cover lines Yes. and something that he said to you there really stuck and you wanted him to write a piece on cover lines and he, he's basically saying that you know the, the independent magazines um, are uh, kind of shooting themselves in the foot by just not telling people what's inside. They're, yeah. they're, so your cover then is a case in point in that you have lots of cover lines. You have lots of things here that are drawing me in and making me want to read. Yeah. That that seems like the, this is something that matters to you. Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's one thing to basically I manufactured this cover to work on the newsstand. I knew it was going to be sold in shops and I knew that getting a couple of hundred likes on Instagram was not going to contribute to paying the printer's bill. So I knew I needed to make a cover that was hard working. So I knew the logo had to be top left. I knew there had to be cover lines down down the left hand side. Um, I've put the barcode in the wrong spot. The barcode apparently should be in the bottom right hand corner. So <laughs> I've broken a rule there. but. Uh, and uh, the colours the, all these decisions have not been made because I've gone oh I like that typeface and I like those colours I've on purpose that sat down and thought okay 
how is this thing going to jump off the newsstand? It's printed glossy as well. Glossy covers is not all that common within indie mags. So it is, it's a hard working... It's calculated. It's calculated. And I mean, that, that's what the cover has to be. It's not enough in my mind for, if it's, if it's doing anything less than working, if it's not, if it's not working up a sweat on the newsstand, it's a bit of a failure. Because it's fantastic in stores like Mag Culture where the whole cover will be on, on show, but most stores aren't like that. And if you public, in my experience, if you're publishing a, an indie magazine as fantastic as it is to be in those premium type stores, you will not cover your costs if you're relying on sales from those premium stores. You, you need to be... Um, you need to be available elsewhere as well. That's if you're selling in stores. Obviously, if you're selling only online, then it's a different thing. But. It, it feels to me that even even with all of this uh, laser focus on selling the mag, yeah. you've you've given yourself a, a little bit of, um, uh, I guess, a left of field um, treat. This image that we have here. Oh, this, yeah. this that, that's actually a, that's scary. That, I was really <laughs> worried about that. Because image. so this is like it's it's quite oblique. The, yep. the, it's the, the, a woman's uh, face in profile, yep. but I can't see who she is. No. Uh, so what's what's the thinking behind that? Well, obviously I wanted to tick all the boxes with a commercial mind as to how this thing was going to perform on the newsstand, but I also knew that uh, a lot of people who buy gym class are going to be designers, and they're going to need to respond to it as well. So it was just another box to tick, and I know that sounds awful, but <laughs> but... You know, I, I feel like that—that's my role to to do something that performs, that people pick up and hopefully buy. Um, there's no point in it being if it if there is absolutely no point in it getting 500 likes on Instagram and and 20 people buying it because they can't because it doesn't jump off the absolutely. off the shelf. So who who is she? Where's the image from? Uh, well, she she is a model, and it was taken at New York Fashion Week a couple of years ago by Christopher Anderson, who is. Um, who is a photographer and Christopher was the uh, photographer in residence I guess is what they're called like on staff at New York magazine until recently and uh, a lot of the, the the most iconic or memorable covers from from well some of the most memorable covers from New York over the last couple of years were Christopher Anderson photos he's also um, shot for the New York Times magazine and uh, National Geographic and you know he's like top of the top of the tree um, so to have him in the issue is um, feels like a real a real it's a real honor to be able to showcase his work and it's someone that I think will actually resonate with with um, with the audience as well so yeah, yeah. So there's a promise in this as well of something else to come because if this is the if this is a door closing on gym class, yes, there's a door opening on something else. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. The uh, I want to start. Well, I'm going to start a new magazine next year, and uh, it will uh, it will be five pounds. <laughs> And I was going to say, I'm, I'm getting a sense <laughs> from you. I know what the price point's going to be. It will be five pounds, and um, it will be. I'm planning on launching an early summer next year, uh, and it's so. And I'm, I'm going to spend a, a heck of a lot of time 
developing this thing because uh, I don't only want it to cover its costs, I want it to to be a small business. So um, I don't want to talk about the specifics of the content or, or anything like that yet, but just because it, it could all change. But this will be a magazine that is uh, made to to perform. It, it's not a, a vanity project. It's not uh, it's not a creative outlet. It's uh, I'm putting my business hat on and I'm going to make a magazine that I'm passionate about making, but it is also successful financially. I, I am. I, I can't tell you how excited I am to see what that comes out as because I've loved watching gym class as it's grown and evolved over the years oh, and you, to see you go from this now into this other thing this bold brave new world mm. um, yeah it's very exciting thank you mate that 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 means a lot thank you um, this issue is like Basically, I've been. I think I've had this sort of bubbling in the back of my mind even before I realised it was bubbling in the back of my mind. But um, this this current issue of Gym Plus is distributed by Comag. There's no online sales unless a store that stocks it offers online sales. And the reason for that is 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 calculated as well. I want Comag to have faith in me that I can make a magazine that will sell. So I want people buying it through stores. Um, to convince Comag of that, and then and the new magazine will be a W. H. Smith title. It will be a magazine that should be on the high in a high street store. Uh, I want it also to be in the. I want it to resonate with the with the indie crowd as well. So that will be the balance that I have to find. But this will be a this will be a, a, a you know a hard working high street magazine that is. Um, wants to shift copies that sounds awful it will be full of love and passion and um, content that I'm super excited about but you know at the end of the day why bother if it's if it's uh, I've done the I've done the side project that was about creativity and love and and all that sort of stuff now I want to do creativity and love and actually um, pay the bills all right well roll on summer 2017 I'm really looking forward to seeing thank you mate thank you cheers All right, that's it for another week. I'd like to say thanks again to Stephen for uh, coming and speaking to me. I'm really, really interested in this whole idea of independent magazines finding a new form with this thinner paper and actually putting a greater focus on how you make a sustainable business out of these magazines. It's not to say that lots of magazines aren't doing that already, but um, I'm very interested in the, I guess, the, the maturity of, of the industry and more magazines being started on this footing to, to try to make money. Anyway, um, thank you again for uh, listening. Um, as always, if you are interested in these magazines, you can sign up uh, at stackmagazines.com. Use the code podcast to uh, save on our regular prices. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd love to hear from you. Um, please tweet it, stick it on Facebook, um, comment on our SoundCloud and tell your friends about it. I am literally sitting in a room on my own <laughs> recording this. So it feels like a very strange thing to be literally just sitting talking to myself. Um, but I can see the viewer fig the listener figures are 
creeping up week by week and that is very satisfying but i'd love to hear from actual listeners um so um so please do tweet at us it's at stack magazines uh, on twitter or instagram or facebook um and we'll be back next week with another episode cheers